it's a misconception that a lot of agencies who may or may not be doing the right job have kind of pushed into the market. The expectation that for a dollar into a campaign and tomorrow you can pull out $2. It just really doesn't work that way. And that's a really good point because you know, with marketing, what it is, it's a lot of testing. Now, if you have a good marketer or a good agency in your corner, what you actually do is cut down the time that you would, the funds you would have spent on getting to the same conclusion or getting to a really good campaign. But there's still some element of testing in there. So when we look at bringing a client on board, we always tell them that it could take between three to six months to get a really great working campaign. But it's all about that process of finding something that works really well. Because once you do, that's when you get the really big success stories. But it doesn't happen overnight. There is a process behind it. This is Superfast Business with James Schramko. James Schramko. Helping you build your business super fast. James Schramko here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 691. And we're talking about how to use funnels for B2B lead generation with my good friend, Will Wang from growthlabs.com. That's labs with a Z. Hey, Will. Hey, James. Thanks for having me back on. Always a pleasure. Super switched on guy. You've got a lot of things happening out there. It was such a pleasure to spend some time recently in the Maldives on the boat. I got a universal vote for Will as one of the smartest guys ever. <laughs> the conversations you were engaged in, the, the tips you were sharing were gold standard. So I thought, wouldn't it be great if you could come along and share a couple of the ideas we talked about on this podcast? So why don't we go straight into it and talk about the difference between what we've been talking about before in previous episodes. We've talked a lot about cold emails, direct mail and direct outreach, which is something I think you are world class at. And a lot of people can't do that. They have no idea about how to do that. But you do get quite a lot of inquiries about where the funnels and online advertising come into it. So it'd be great to talk about some examples of funnels that have worked to generate leads, how to get started building your own quickly. Uh, we might even discuss some tools that you find handy if they're relevant. And we'll just continue out this series because we've really had some great discussions before. And every time you're on the show, <laughs> we're getting some tremendous feedback. We even get some questions from time to time. But this is part of the Get Clients series that you and I have been doing. And we've already packed together like over half a dozen episodes. So thanks so much for sharing and let's get into it. Yeah, awesome. And James, just before we dive into content as well, I just wanted to say how just absolutely amazing that trip to the Maldives was. Like just, you know, everything about it from the other people who were on board as well. They're just amazing entrepreneurs and business people and just, you know, really humble in sharing all the knowledge and stuff as well. And I mean, just the location and everything that came with the trip, it was just absolutely life-changing. So I'm just super glad that I managed to get a ticket on board and uh, yeah, looking forward to doing that again for sure. Yeah, the tickets for that are really hard to get. It's actually <laughs> like always super sold out. It's been sold out about three years in a row now, so <laughs> like always a year or two in advance. So it's really uh, great that you're there and that you're coming back. Thank you. Cool. So let's talk about how to use funnels for B2B lead, Jen. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, so one of the things that really inspired me to come back and, and propose this as a topic was we, um, John Lint from 10X Pro was on the trip as well. And, you know, it got me thinking about some of the stuff that we've been doing and some of the questions we've been asked in terms of funnels. So I think the topic gets complicated a lot and a lot of internet marketers have kind of taken this word funnel and kind of built it into a different beast. So what I really want to do is kind of simplify uh, you know, the idea of a funnel, the concept of a funnel, and really talk through some examples of what we've done, our process in building it, and also some of the tools and technology that we use to make it easy for business owners to go and build their own funnels. Sounds perfect. Cool. So I guess the first place to start with is just what a funnel is. And I wanted to define it from 
my simplistic understanding or how I kind of talk to people about this stuff. So I know it gets complicated, but really for me, all a funnel is, it's not even about technology or what tools you use. It really is just a process of going out to the market and getting the attention of the people you want to talk to, showing them a bit of a journey and you know, teaching them how you can actually help them and then making them some kind of offer if you're the right fit. So I think at a simple level, that's the way that I look at it. It's a very human, it's a very person-to-person driven activity rather than a technology-driven activity. That's interesting you say that. And I wonder what are the differences between B2C and B2B? Because we've put B2B in the title of this show at episode 691. And we should clarify, you know, what audience are we talking about here? Yeah, so the audience we're talking about is generally businesses selling products or services to other businesses. So the B2C funnels, you know, there's a whole range of them and it can range from people selling a $5 trinket online to people selling courses online. So what we're talking about really is a way of getting in front of business owners or other business owners and getting them to raise their hand and say, hey, I'm kind of interested. Can we have some kind of conversation or some kind of way of looking at if we're right to do business and help each other and create a win-win scenario? Right. So I imagine there's all varying degrees of complexity for the pathways. And maybe you can give me a range of what they might look like. Sure. So I think if you've been in business or if you've done any kind of sales and marketing course, different people approach it differently. But at a very simplistic version or at a high level, I think there's three steps to a funnel that have to be tackled. And those are awareness, consideration, and conversion. Uh, so that's you know the simplest way to look at it. And awareness is, hey, do you know about what we do? Consideration is, have you thought about if what we do is right for you? And conversion is, do you want to come on board and work with us to get some kind of result or some kind of outcome that's going to move you from where you are to where you want to be? There's other versions of it that you might see online where there's six different versions uh, or six different steps rather. And they go from things, you know, they look at other elements like discovery, evaluation, intent, purchase, and loyalty. And that's all well and fine. But my view is keep it as simple as possible and think about the people you're talking to and really realize, you know, what does it take for someone who's never heard of you before to decide that you're the right fit for their business and then to engage your services or buy your product? Right. So if you are building out a new pathway or a funnel, you're going to start with the simple version and then build on it rather than start with a more complicated one and then remove steps. Yeah, exactly. So it also depends on the type of business and the type of products, but I think that's a really good way to transition into you know, how we kind of think about building a funnel or the planning and the principles behind how we actually use the funnel, especially with when we're looking at it from a B2B perspective. Perfect. Okay. So it's essentially just you've got to get the right people and the right process for them and get them all excited. And then uh, I suppose if you're going to go about this process from scratch, you're going to have some kind of planning process. So what's your process? Yeah, so our process that we use for ourselves and for our clients, it's actually, funnily enough, even though we live in such a big tech world, we actually take a lot of pen and paper or, you know, in our office here, we've got really big whiteboards and we actually write and map out what we do when we build a funnel for clients. So typically what we like to do is we like to work backwards. Gotcha. And we look at a business and we look at the products that our clients sell or that we sell ourselves. And, you know, we map out all the benefits that we think our product or service solves, uh, not solves, but provides to the clients. We look at, you know, what pains that the market might be feeling and really match it up to why we think our product is the best at actually helping them solve their pain or providing the benefit to them. So 
I guess you could say we start with with a level of psychology. We really dive deep into what's going on in the minds of the people that we want to work with. And some of our clients work with Fortune 500 companies. But within those companies, you've got to understand that it's more about the people or the human-to-human element. Rather than thinking that you're selling to a company, it's more like who are you selling to? What person within that company are we dealing with? So that's going to help you understand them psychologically, what they're thinking about, what their KPIs are, and you know what makes them tick and what drives them in their business or in their career. Okay, one next. Yep. Next step is understanding or going backwards from that is, okay, so we've got our offers, we've got our products, we've got our services. We honestly believe that these are the best we can help. The next step in working backwards, I would say, are looking at what objections someone might have you know, that they might come across when it's time to actually make the purchase. So things like price is always the first one that comes to mind, but it's actually one of the easiest objections to tackle. And I think we've actually done an episode on this as well, but it's really about listing out, you know, what's stopping someone from doing business with you? Like, is it a trust thing? Is it that they haven't heard from you before? Is it that, you know, it's, it's not their money, so they've got to get approvals. So it's really understanding the buying process as well as the psychology behind why someone's looking to buy. Perfect. Yep. So before that, before we even get to objections, obviously, there's a few steps. You know, by the time we're talking about objections, you're probably making an offer to them already. So there's a few steps that we need to do to get them to the offer stage before you even answer objections. And those steps are understanding what we can get them uh, or do with them, rather, to build that trust, build the relationship, and build the authority. So you might have seen a few funnels on your travels on the internet or on Facebook, on LinkedIn, um, on social media platforms where they come in with a lower taste or a lower version product or a cheaper product for you to buy. So in internet marketing terms, I know some people call it a tripwire, but I really don't like that term because it's got some negative connotation to it. It kind of feels like you're trying to trick people into to buying something. But you know, another term is self-liquidating offer or a get your foot in the door offer. Self-liquidating is a little bit more detailed than that, actually. Mm. Self-liquidating simply means that the cost of marketing is covered in the purchase price so that you now own a customer without any cost. Yeah. The tripwire is what they put on explosive devices to make it explode. <laughs> so I also uh, dislike that term. I think it came from the digital marketer camp and that's okay, but it could just be a, a lower price offer. Dean Jackson refers to it as having a prospect raise their hand and identify themselves as a customer. And that could be through a small product. And if it happens to offset the marketing cost, then of course you can scale more volume. So you You've got that initial transaction and of course we know it's much easier to make a sale to the same customer if they trust us enough to make a purchase and we were able to deliver on our promise there's a good chance they'll spend more with us yeah exactly right and you know from my corporate career working with data i think the numbers are something like it's seven times easier to sell to someone who's bought from you already given that it was an, an okay or a good experience and to find someone new so that's the kind of psychology or the reason why um, that we've got a smaller offer in there and i think traditionally some businesses have called this a lost leader offer where they take a small loss to commit to buying something from them. Right. So that's basically if it's not self-liquidating, then it'll be a loss leader. Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. So that's obviously at the stage where they're trialing what you do. They're building that relationship and building that trust. But even before that stage, even before they become a client or a customer, they're generally you know, a lead. So next stage working backwards is looking at, well, what do we need to turn someone from a prospect into a lead? And I know we're using you know, some sales terms and things like that. But the way that I look at it is a prospect is someone that might potentially be interested. And a lead is someone who's raised their hand and taking some kind of action, whether it's giving you their name and their email 
to get something from you that shows a higher level of interest in someone who's just seen your ads. And it's probably worth pointing out, you know, while we're talking about the timeframes on this, when I was speaking with Scott from Wicked Reports, he said it takes 60 days to break even on the average of $1.5 billion worth of transactions. So it's quite rare actually to make money or to even break even in the first two months for a lot of people who are paying for ads, especially if you take into account setup costs and the fact that you're almost certainly going to have a learning curve at the beginning there. So I wanted to put some realistic information there. I'm wondering if you found that to be the case as well, that it, you know you don't always break even on the second day of a campaign. Yeah, I think that's a problem that uh, it's a misconception that a lot of agencies who may or may not be doing the right job have kind of pushed into the market. Uh, the expectation that for, for a dollar into a campaign and tomorrow you can pull out $2. It just really doesn't work that way. And that's a really good point because you know, with marketing, what it is, it's a lot of testing. Now, if you have a good marketer or a good agency in your corner, what you actually do is cut down the time that you would have, or the funds you would have spent on getting to the same conclusion or getting to a really good campaign. But there's still some element of testing in there. So when we look at bringing a client on board, we always tell them that it could take between three to six months to get a really great working campaign. But it's all about that process of finding something that works really well. Because once you do, that's when you get the really big success stories. But it doesn't happen overnight. There is a process behind it. Perfect. So keep telling me about this process. Great. So I guess with the process itself, let's take an example just to make it a little bit more clear. And I'm going to volunteer some numbers that we've run for ourselves and also an example that we've got from some other clients of mine, because I think that'll make the message just a little bit clearer as well. I like that. I like that you're using specific campaigns rather than just being theoretical or making stuff up, because we know that there's evidence that this has happened before. Yeah, there's been some big claims that we found out just a little bit down the track that are full of fluff. So I kind of prefer using real data and real evidence, because that's just the way that we work anyway. So I guess I'll volunteer what we do at Growth Labs for ourselves first. And I want to talk about a campaign that we ran probably, I'd say it's about eight to 12 months ago. So it's a campaign that we were running using Facebook and trialing a little bit of LinkedIn ads going into both the tech and also the financial services space, which is the space that we play in in terms of looking at clients. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through what a customer's journey was from seeing what we do all the way to deciding if they wanted to work with us or not, and then share some of the numbers around that as well. So we've talked about going in the reverse order when we did the planning in terms of looking at the offer and working backwards, but this is kind of the right way around or the way that people kind of experience it. So the first step for us was we ran a bunch of ads on Facebook and LinkedIn. Now, know that you've had Alana on the podcast and she's amazing at this ad stuff as well. So I think that's definitely worth a listen. Yeah, that's uh, teachtraffic.com. She's good at Facebook, Google, and she's actually running my YouTube ads now. She's quite talented when it comes to that stuff. She is. Yeah, I saw that. And her content was really great as well. And I really like the fact that she's driven by data, which is, I think, so important, you know, if you're going to do it this way. So going back to, you know, what we actually did was we ran a series of, uh, not a series, a bunch of different ads on both Facebook and LinkedIn. So when we do ads, we do a whole lot of split testing. But essentially, all the ads did was, you know, we talked about a common problem in the market they had. We talked about ways that they might be able to solve the problem for, for themselves. And then we showed a few examples of how we've done that in their market. So that was the first step. That was going through and getting the awareness of who we are and what we've done. So that's like a proof builder. It's like the case study format of demonstration. And ideally, it's someone who's sort of relevant or known by the prospect. Yeah, exactly right. So you know, just to that point as well, James, what we did was when we planned out the funnel, we said that one of the major objections that we think the people we're reaching out to and seeing the funnel would have is trust in the market because there are a lot of, let's call them not so great agencies out there and they've done a lot of bad things. So for 
us, it was really important to anchor that trust really early on. So the way that we did that was talking about you know what we've actually done and showing the proof for the entire process. So um, off the back of that, what happened was people saw the ads, they clicked on it, and what we did was we delivered value in advance. So at the time we were running a webinar, now we've kind of transitioned into just doing a video that they can watch anytime. But it was a webinar that really dove into step-by-step how we solved the problem that the market had. So obviously for us, it was a webinar showing them some of the campaigns we run in the past, you know, how we set up campaigns, the numbers that we got from the campaign itself into that market. From that step, what actually happened was some people would see it, go, okay, that's cool, but you know, they wouldn't take any further action. And then what we do is we have an email nurture sequence and we have talked mostly about pages and steps and landing pages and sales pages and things like that so far. But I wanted to also enforce the point that a sales funnel isn't just the landing pages. It's also how you communicate afterwards, the email nurturing sequence and every point of communication between you and the people coming through and seeing your business. Nice. Yeah. So for us, you know, after they watched that webinar, the kind of two options, one was to book a call with us and understand how we can help their business. And the other one was to go through and go through an email nurturing sequence where we showed them even more examples, gave them even more value, and then uh, you know kept asking at the relevant points and at the right points, depending on what emails they were reading and what they were clicking, if they actually wanted some personalized help. Would you still use a webinar today? It kind of depends. I think people are kind of getting busier. We've seen that a lot of people are doing webinars the wrong way, where they kind of try to make it look like it's a live webinar, or they make it look like you know there's only 10 spots left on this webinar. And I think there's a little bit of a negative connotation now when it comes to terms webinar. So it used to be very effective. I'm finding it to be a little bit less effective. That's kind of why we've gone through to just let people consume when they want to consume rather than forcing them to do it at a certain time. Perfect. Yeah. I'm hearing the same thing, a video on a page called a video or a movie or a documentary, letting people watch it immediately and then following them up with a messenger or remarketing and card abandonment type sequences can be very powerful and you can skip the whole webinar tech nightmare. Yeah, exactly right. So you're saving yourself another piece of software that you had to go and buy previously but you know we'll come back to that but essentially what we're trying to do here is we're trying to track numbers in terms of how much we're paying for someone to actually book a call with us uh, across the entire funnel including the email sequence and then looking at if that's worth doing versus the customer lifetime value that we've got for every customer that we get through love it yep so that's the first example you know you've got to be really super tight and really understand the numbers and the steps that you go through as you do that so i think one part that we didn't talk about in that example which i'll come back to with another one that i've got in here was a client that we did this for in the software space, so it's in the tech space. So kind of similar to start off with, you know, we had a bunch of ads that caught out a, a problem that people were having within a certain industry. We got them through to consume some more content that was developed just to talk about the problems. So in this case, rather than, than a video, it was actually a white paper and a case study. Yep. And then what we did was we made an offer straight from the case study, straight from the white paper, which was a free demo of the software piece, which you know, is actually more common. People are kind of comfortable within that space to just try something, especially if you don't take the credit card. Yep. Now, what we saw work really, really well in that funnel was email nurturing, but also the retargeting. So when we say retargeting, it's kind of like we can track what people do online. So we can track what page they've gotten up to and you know how far they've gotten within our funnel itself. So we knew that people were downloading the case study. If they hadn't read it or if they hadn't taken the next step, we knew who those people were as well. So we went back to them and showed them some different sets of ads and added some more value before ultimately asking them to take that demo and take that trial. And I think you also said emails and I'm a huge fan of email. I know that's 
the single biggest part of my funnel that works the best is once I get the opt-in, communicating with people and moving them through to a purchase. Yeah, we've really found that as well. And especially for B2B stuff, what we've seen is that with B2B, especially for higher price or higher ticket you know, offers or products, it's really hard to go for the sale straight up because there's so much trust and there's so much of a relationship that you have to build that I find email to actually be the best converting and the most cost-effective way of actually doing that. So, you know, we can talk about this uh, later on, I think, because it's a whole topic in and of itself. There's a lot of things in personalizations you can take when people take certain actions off emails, like depending on if they read a certain email, depending if they click on a certain email or a link that you have in emails, you can actually build out separate paths that really talk about what they've done and what value you think they'll get depending on what they do. Yeah, you most definitely should have custom sequences based on behavior and that's the secret source. Absolutely. So how did that one go? Yeah, it went really, really well. So I think from memory, what we did was from their own efforts, we actually dropped the cost per lead for them or cost per demo by about, I think it was 60%. So for example, if they were paying $100 previously to get someone to demo the software, they were now paying about $40 to $50. So that worked really, really well. And it was really the email and also the retargeting, which was having that kind of effect. Love it. Yeah, so the case study... It's uh, low tech as well. Not that hard to put together a case study and turn it into a PDF and get that front end happening. Yeah, exactly. But it was really the back end of the funnel, which which pulled most of the weight and was you know the reason why it worked so well. But I think that's a part that not enough people talk about. You know, what happens when someone actually knows about you and has opted in for something? You know, most of the time people just go back and say, how much more traffic can you buy? But a good funnel should maximize the amount of traffic you have and really give you an, as much of a uh, return on your investment as possible before you go out and spend more money on buying more traffic. Well, that's really one of my favorite tricks and that's where I'm working in my sweet spot is when I'm helping a business I'm often looking at their existing database and finding a lot of opportunities there whether it's creating a new product on top of the ones they've got whether it's just fixing up there's three or four sequences that every business should have and often they're missing and one of the most obvious ones is a sequence for people who look at a sales offer and then don't purchase if you're not following them up you're probably leaving 20-30% sitting there right there and then there's other ones like going back to people you've already dealt with in the past and making an offer to them. It's such a simple sequence to put together based on uh, a time, you know, and segmenting out people who are not current active buyers or who've been buyers in the past, but not purchased. And you can go and wake those ones up again. Yeah. And it's actually such a good point. And it's so funny as well, because sometimes it's kind of like the old analogy of, of a mechanic, you know, always leaves his car to last or never fixes his own car. You know, coming from the mother's trip, one of the things that I realized as we were sitting around doing the sessions was that, you know, I wasn't doing that part well enough within our own business. So it's really funny because I think, you know, that's such a good point that it's always worthwhile looking at your database and what you've done over the past three or four months and then going back and just talking to people who have talked to you before because they might not have been in the buying position, but now they might be. That's one of the beauties of having a podcast or regular video content like I do because it allows us to keep sending out emails, letting people know there's new content and you're just constantly able to make an offer. Every podcast has an offer for people to become a member of Superfast Business, whether it's mentioned in the podcast or whether it's in the email that accompanies it. So it's uh, one good catch-all is what I call own the race course, and that's just that constant publishing of content. I imagine when you start activating campaigns for some of these clients, you do pick up segments of their audience who used to buy from them or had forgotten about them, and now they're seeing them again active in social media, and then they reactivate. And one thing that fascinated me when 
I started doing short videos is I reactivated a half a dozen of my peers from the old industry I used to be in from when I was running Mercedes-Benz. I had several people on LinkedIn watching my videos and then commenting and then asking if you want to catch up for a coffee and then some of them I've done business with. Uh, so, you know, it reactivates sleeping agents, you know, from I'm talking past 10, 11, 12 years ago, it's just reactivated them. So, getting on that LinkedIn with a paid campaign and Facebook ads, it's going to get you right in front of several segments. It's people who are already dealing with you now and making them feel like they're especially excited that they chose you. It's people who used to deal with you who you might deal with again, and then it's new people who might deal with you. So, tell me about your process of when you figured out what you want people to do and how you're going to serve them and where you're going to communicate with them and what the pieces are, whether it's a PDF or a video or a webinar, and you've got the words written, then is that when you start sort of sticking it into technology? Yeah, it is. So for us, it's more about the psychology, but the tech is actually quite an important piece because obviously, you know, if you don't have somewhere to put this stuff, it just doesn't get out to the world. So once we've got everything done, you know, once we've got what we call the copy or the words written up, we know roughly what we want it to look like. Then we look at tools, you know, software pieces that we use to make the entire process much, much faster and, you know, more effective as well. So one of the tools that we're actually moving most of our clients and also our own services to is actually 10X Pro, which, you know, it was great to actually catch up with John on the Mother Trip as well and understand what he's actually working on with this software piece because I've listened to the podcast that you've done with him and, um, you know, dive into some of the really advanced stuff. It was really amazing to see what it can actually do. I remember your eyes lit up when we were explaining <laughs> what it does and you're one of a growing number of people who are switching across. Right now, my webmaster is building out a 10X Pro installation as well to house some of our stuff and I'd like to move more of our things across and then I'll have a master brand where I can put things because the tool's just that good. So that's pretty exciting. So you think 10X Pro can handle most of the things that you're talking about when it comes to funnels and sales pathways and segmentation in combination with whatever autoresponder or CRM system you've been using and of course it can handle receiving the payments and upsells and downsells and custom pixels. I am curious, what features of 10X Pro were you surprised about? or excited you the most? I think some of the automation and some of the different pieces that he had that's in there, like really lit my eyes up. And as you were saying, I remember sitting there with John thinking, oh, look, I'm not sure if we, you know, if this can handle what we do because we do build out some pretty complex funnels. And as it was showing me all the functionality, you know, there was a few expletives that came out of my mouth and I just thought, wow, this guy has kind of built it with such a good understanding of marketing and such a good understanding of how these things should work in combination as well. So I think some of the biggest things that really stood out to me was the fact that he had all the different elements, including quizzes on, on there as well. We use a whole bunch of different software to do quizzes as well. But, you know, he's got a quiz module built straight into 10X Pro and it looks really good and functioned really well. So that in itself saved us one other piece of software that we've been using. Yeah, I just went through someone else's quiz today that they built on 10X Pro. And yeah, it's all there, all the modules. If you want to do webinars, if you want to do live meetings with your members, if you want chats, what else? There's deadline funnels and all sorts of things, features that it sort of does everything you need and it's fully hosted and i was just looking at our tools bill today you know some of the software we pay for and that everything from security software to hosting and uh, it all adds up you know when you're trying to glue together bits and pieces from everywhere yeah. it's so much simpler to have one place to log in and just get on with the job yeah so i think the biggest takeaway for me was you know having everything in one place can be such a big time saver as well like for example with the own funnels that we're in the process of building for ourselves we were using other software to build the quiz and then the quiz had to push people through to landing pages and the landing pages then had to you know show show a video and 
just the amount of different systems people were, were bouncing across and then obviously feeding all of the data back to our, our CRM and, and our email system like that's what handled with one spot so when I saw that I was like wow you've literally taken hours of work that my team would have to put into it and just put it onto the one platform and it just kind of talks to itself which is awesome like the way that I kind of look at it is it's Apple except it's customizable so, so you think it'll save you time when you're building out these funnels and you can test more things easier yeah so that's one thing that I really liked about it too um, just the way that the software approaches split testing because with all the stuff that we do for our clients especially we do a whole bunch of split testing like we endlessly split test and I think the way that he set up the split testing or the functionality to split test is really smart it's actually probably one of the better ones that I've seen whereas other ones you know you have to go out there and you're limited to the amount of split tests you can do and the way that it gets reported back I, I really like everything that I saw within 10x pro nice all right. Well, so in summary, what we've been talking about today is just some examples of how to use funnels for business-to-business lead gen. And you gave us a couple of specific campaigns that we can break down. We'll put the show notes, of course, on episode 691. We'll make a nice little PDF and we'll also uh, make sure we put a prompt to get in touch with Will. Will Wang is, frankly, Will, you're a genius. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. And growthlabs.com, that's where you go if you want it all done for you. If you just want the results and you'd like to pay some money to Will and have him map out your campaigns, take all the things he's learned from doing all the campaigns before and just do them for you with your input and get there faster, then that's certainly a great option for you. If you're going to try and do it yourself, then take the information from the show, from this free podcast. I would recommend you go and grab 10X Pro because it's a terrific tool and get building your funnels and you will have the top platform, the top information, and you should be able to speed up your results. So that's what we're all about here at Superfast Business. Thanks again for joining us, Will, and I look forward to having another episode of our Get Client series in the future. Cool. Thanks, James. Discover how to build your business super fast. Check out superfastbusiness.com.